Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, it's a new year. Yay! It's time for you to fix your attitude. <laughs> I have an excellent <laughs> attitude, Tony Foreman. Uh, but yeah, but, it's but, so exciting. I love a new year. It really does feel like a fresh, wonderful it, new beginning with lots of possibilities. Well, and unsurprisingly for this program, there are new food and wine possibilities. Oh, right? definitely, absolutely. It's funny because at the same time, I know that you've heard me say it a lot of times. You can't come up with something that someone else has not come up with before. Right. Right. The question usually is, you, you know, mean with food? With 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 food, can it be executed correctly? Mm-hmm. It's, you all, know. it's all about and, quality and, of product and, 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 and yeah, execution. What's, and what's the product that's, that's mm-hmm. informing that dish? Well, that's one of the things with being in a restaurant. You're constantly teaching people how to do things, and everyone's always trying to improve uh, their skills because it's all about execution. You know, how do you do 150 people on a Saturday night and serve, you know, 45 pieces of rockfish that are cooked perfectly while you're serving a whole bunch of people or whatever this particular situation is? And that's always the challenge for cooks. You know, it's speed and dealing with volume and being accurate. But since we're actually people, we have to have our own resolutions for for this year for food and wine. And and I, I want to know what yours I wonder are. how many people have, have food have resolutions for food and wine. Well if it's important to you other you know, than dieting. It seems it's, like that's usually the resolution. This is a much more fun resolution, which is what are your goals this year with food and wine? So what are yours, Tony? I want to eat more cake. <laughs> so, in, 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 in our di- in our in our diet culture, right? Uh-huh. I, it's one. Of the, I remember meeting Julia Child years ago, and her attitude was like, "If it's good, you eat it. Not too much of it, not too little. Right, like, you, right. but you eat it. Yeah, you know. And and you, if you want what the body wants, you're probably going to do pretty darn well for yourself. I think also those things bring us joy. So, why do we have to but, deny ourselves a little bit of food joy? But, you but know? I was thinking about the. People, so Pastry Chef knows how much I love panettone. Mm-hmm. I have unreasonable affection for panettone. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. it's true. Yeah. And she worked at making the most spectacular one that's nice. that I've ever had. Oh, gosh, that's great. Maya. And, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy mm-hmm. talented. And she, so she gives it to me, and I cut a slice, and it smells like creme brulee. But in the best way, not like really burnt, burnt, but caramelized. That beautiful smell of sugar as it's caramelizing. And the custard. Mm-hmm. Like when you break into the creme, like the, 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 I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, that, I've had plenty of good panettone. I've had one or two excellent panettone, but this one killed me. Okay. Just killed me. And so I ate the little piece and then I cut a big piece. And that made me happier <laughs> than the little piece did. <laughs> so I, I'm resolved to pick my spots. You know, sure. it's not an everyday. No. And people also, they, people, that kind of thing, people cook for you with care. Well, that's it. You know, that, that, that's, that's, it's the love that comes through with food. That's what's so you know, if, if someone, If someone's going to do that, I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that's it. So, yeah. Number one on my list is eat more cake. All right. How about you? Number one on my list is to actually get back to Europe and eat European cooking because I still have not been back since COVID. So I, I, I mean, there have oh, been times. Oh, you've had a million ways you've not been able. Like, exactly, it's been stopped every single time I've tried to go. So I mean, I don't 
I still am not super excited to get on an airplane for that many hours, quite frankly. Um, just, you know, the idea of being trapped on an aircraft with a whole bunch of people that some of them might be sick isn't particularly exciting. But the idea of going back to Europe and eating in Spain, Italy or France or all of the above or Germany or adding Switzerland or, you know, going someplace I haven't been sounds just absolutely incredible to me. So I hope by the end of the year that I can actually travel to Europe and, and I would like to go back to, you know, Michel Garrard in France and some of my favorite chefs, um, and experience those things. But, you know, that is a personal, you know, goal f- of mine for this year that I can actually follow through with a trip that well, that's, gets I mean, planned. The, the, when you get a chance to go to places that are very, very focused, it's not just like checking off a list of, oh, there's many Michelin stars. No, no, not because at all. Because it can be a simple place that's focused. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean. There are plenty of great Ch- restaurants without stars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Chez Lamy Louis is a, you know, a, a circus, and it is not a formal circus, but it's pretty damn fun. It's and, a life-changing experience. And, and, and there, some, they no some of that food is great. Oh, yeah. And the cellar is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And the service is abusive. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the sweetest way. <laughs> yeah, Lamy, uh, Chez Lamy Louis in, in Paris is really, um, it, it, that was one of the first places we ever went that I thought, Okay, this so, is this is the real deal. It's the right spirit. Yeah, it, it, everything it's, it, about it. It's the right spirit because the waiters are actually a blast. You know, they're sort of slightly abusive, but it's just so much fun. And you know, it's it's all about the joy of eating and drinking. And you know, it's a great, great, great experience. I remember considering the menu there one time, and uh, it's going back and forth with with uh, Patrick, the old sommelier mm-hmm. there, and he was like, "Can you make a decision?" <laughs> Could you decide? If you, if you did that to an American consumer yeah, in the States. That wouldn't go so well. Mm-mm. You'd be Googled to death, right? So right, like, yeah. You know, I think I think also with, with you know, I just, as because it is a new beginning, I did a, and we closed for the first week of January for holiday, particularly at, you know, in my kitchen, our restaurant there. Um I, I did a new menu and I'm so excited. You know, here I am. I also moved. So I, 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 have bought I purchased a farm and it is really lovely there and it is incredibly inspirational to sit there and look out these windows and see you know 35 deer outside the window and all the beautiful land and know that a farmer is going to be growing corn and soybeans and rye and all kinds of wonderful things and the potential for that for for me and for the restaurants is great because there's there's enough land there to really grow some things seriously for our restaurants. And that, to me, is my new life beginning, not just a new year, but I am so inspired by this beautiful place that... It's not just new year, it's a whole new cycle. It's a whole new cycle in my life. And, I mean, I, I can't make it this spring, but I will plan for next spring to really plant food and, mm. you know, well, move forward with that. And I'm so excited about it. On an immediate basis, you could do something with it. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. We I mean, will plant you, no, tomatoes. I mean, you, and, can, you, you can put some venison on the menu. Uh, no. There is no hunting what? on my land. And land. My land is in Preservation Trust. <laughs> so don't you come over there with your they, gun. They, they were ven- I, one, I would never have a gun. No, I well, think that's you true. Know this about <laughs> true. <laughs> Me either. Yeah. But no, the, there are a lot of deer. But no, we're not hunting them, Tony. They're there to be looked at. and having, They're supposed to have a peaceful, beautiful life. But so. I can buy some venison. 
So I, mean, I would just think that you'd have some <laughs> venison on the menu. You're I have about... elk on the menu right now, so I do. But do you see elk I every do. day? No, no, but I do when I go to Jackson Hole. But yeah, I mean, and the elk is so lean. It's it's just such an and it's such a beautifully flavored uh, piece of meat. I love working with it. We're doing um, a sweet potato gratin, and um, when we made the first one yesterday. We made it the same way we make the the uh, Yukon gold potato gratin with cream and Reggiano and a little bit clear cheese and salt and pepper and the thin layers of potato and bake it in the oven. Usually takes about 40 minutes at 325 degrees without foil. And then, you know, we pop off the foil at a little bit higher temperature for five minutes to get it, five, 10 minutes to get a little nice uh, golden crust on the top. But we did sweet potatoes and um, that way. And I'm thinking today when we make it, I'm going to do half Yukons and half sweet potatoes. I think it'll be fun to to do both types and the same. And then we're serving, we got in delicious sugar peas, which is just seems crazy because it seems like such a summer thing, but they're really sweet and pretty and crunchy and delicious. And we're doing a onion beignets with it and a little bit of a rum reduction sauce on that plate. And with that elk loin, mm, it is super good. Something some of the some of the places with with good greenhouses are doing better and better work these last couple of years. Yeah, right, right. Well, well this old gem lettuce thing that's going on, you know, I I love these little lettuces. They're really beautiful. We're getting a lot of them are coming from Pennsylvania, and we opened those cases uh, this yesterday, and and I mean they're just these gorgeous, perfect little beautiful heads of you know red leaf lettuce and green leaf and all kinds of beautiful little guys and. Um, they're just they're just lovely, and I'm doing that with you know kind of old school with a little bit of boiled egg yolk, um, you know just sort of that, you know I always think of the first time you and I went to the restaurant that has the bookmaker salad um, when we first moved here, yeah, and I had never had a salad like that, and it's so old fashioned but so darn good, you know, and so I'm like ooh I'm gonna kind of do a play on that with a little bit of crispy bacon, you know lardon, boiled egg, and then we do our crispy shallots that are so delicious and. Um, a little bit of toasted walnuts, and we made a dressing, sort of a play on a Caesar with basil and garlic and Reggiano and a tiny bit of garlic, and that salad's just like, you just want to gobble it up. It's just like all the things you love on one plate. But yeah, it's fun to come up with a new menu. It's funny, that that kind of a salad is almost, you know, it, it's like all the stuff that you want is some kind of ridiculous Italian sandwich, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but with with just lots of lettuce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. lots of crunchy lettuce. So, so are, what else are you thinking about for your resolutions, food and wine? Vegetables. I want. I want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My 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 personal diet is. It's not morphed. It, it's extremely omnivorous, but I'm trying to become. And you know how fascinated I am with vegetables and like and buying that product and working with it and all the subtle different flavors and the quality of those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. I I want to continue to develop more and more plant-based dishes um, teach that push that I know that one obviously that's a thing at work for us that is bigger and bigger in the culture yeah and important for a lot of different reasons but so I, mean, I recently made a vegetable broth mm-hmm. and with two different kinds of beets, goldens and chayogas. Um, it's fun. The idea for it kind of came out of the spectacular celery that I found. 
mm-hmm. and really nice carrots and, and literally just juiced some of each of them made a broth the carrots and the celery yeah. you juiced made a broth with them with a little bit of sea salt <laughs> very patient and and you and skim the heck out of it keep it really clean and wow 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 like that um adding some juice and going through a high speed blender for a little bit and then straining it a couple of times I ended up with this like clear almost like red orange broth really light I, I got lucky in the balance of the vegetables is really really strong you, you get all the notes and they're all happy together you know there's there's harmony there and I just now I now I want to do anything with it it's like okay I want to make sure that I have that down yeah oh, and good I, I want to do anything with it I mean whether it's you know I I, I floated little ravi little raviolis hmm. for you know for mm-hmm. the girls in it and it's nice. They loved it. And, Sounds but, good. Yeah, I mean, I think, What were the raviolis filled with? Uh, Brussels sprout. Oh, really? Brussels sprout, green apple, <laughs> Way and, a little, and a little black truffle. Way to hide the Brussels sprouts and ravioli, Tony. Nah, there you go. <laughs> my, my younger daughter loves Brussels sprouts. If dad Aww. makes Brussels sprouts, they're okay. magically good. That's, Just that's, ask her. That's got to be an achievement of some sort. I'd like to hear from parents right now. Yeah. She, that's cool. She's a... I'll be surprised if she's not a vegetarian... Everything that she likes pretty much is vegetables or starch. Mm-hmm. And only once in a while is it meat. The odd meatball, now she's into that. Okay. <laughs> no, but, it's good that you're teaching them not to be scared of things, you know, you're, that you're. Yeah. But I, and then they're not scared of things. They're willing just, to try. But, and, but plant based, period, you know, mm-hmm. that where can I find more really good beans that are being grown and what can we do? Mm-hmm. With those beans, because that there's a lot of protein. Well, our work is always searching out great product. That's 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 the whole. You know, my dad was in the food business, and that's what he did. He purchased food product all the time. I mean, it's he always said that that that, that was one of the most important things I would ever do is to find, you know, in our situation, great food product, and and that is. You know, that's the joy, whether it's from a farmer or whether it's, you know, the best snail from France or, you know, whatever the product is. Yeah, it's always flavor first. Mm -hmm. Quality of product. You know, know, it's I think with the menu for me this year, too, uh, I I just want to work with some new things for my you know, it's always about teaching my cooks as well as entertain, you know, keeping the guests interested and excited about what we're doing. So it's 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 both things that are a priority to me and obviously my own personal development as a chef is you know always trying to be better and 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 working with new products if you know that there aren't any more new animals out there there you know there isn't really new food out there you know so it's 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 what are the things that I actually haven't worked with and what makes sense for the concept of of my kitchen and thankfully I have the freedom to do what I want well I mean it's important to challenge yourself in that I mean that's mm-hmm. but that's that's my challenge to myself. Always have, always will. This year yeah. is good. Vegetables know, development it, in a million different directions. You know that's all right. Sounds good. So we come back on formidable from food and wine. We're getting going on food and wine resolutions for the new year, and we'll be right back on WYPR.
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And so, Cindy, so what's next What's next on your list? What's the next resolution on your... We did, let's see, so far you got... What's on your list so far? Well, I, w- I would like to go back to Europe <laughs> for the first time and in so, three so, or so, so years. So eating in Europe for the eating. stimulus of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And the and, education and, and the joy. Then, and then second on your list... It's it's my own development as a chef. I mean, it's always my priority, but I always refresh at the beginning of the year and try. I work with my purveyors. One of the things I do is I make a list of all the purveyors that I want to spe- so, specifically so fi- talk to. Finding and working with things that you have less experience cooking with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, it, I right now we're still in the throes of getting reopened, so it's a very busy time. It's a tremendous amount of work to one go from having zero food product in the in the in the walk-in to preparing all fresh food you know getting ready to open and also doing a new menu and teaching a cook so now once we settle down from that by the end of this week next week I'll meet with all of my purveyors and speak to them about hey you know what what do you have that's new or what do you think I should be buying or this is what or I'll tell them what I'm looking for and we'll have these good open conversations because I don't require a lot from my purveyors what what I the most important thing I require from my purveyors is that they get me the very best product that they have at the most fair price and in a timely manner. I don't call and talk to my purveyors often. You know, they, they we've been here for so long and we've developed, lo- you know, long relationships with these folks. They, they, you know, we don't have to really talk. But at this time of the year, that is when I like to sit down with them and, you know, let's get our heads on straight, as my father would say, and let's move forward. And let's see what you've got. And let's start, you know, let's start to develop. And, um, you know, my chef de cuisine and I, of course, Everardo, will you talk about, you know, what does he want to do? What does he want to work on? You know, his sort of his area of expertise now is pasta. He's incredible at making pasta and he loves doing it. And one of the other things, too, is that, you know, we're in a time where we have to reassess all of our equipment. You know, we're, we're finding we have to buy a new convection oven. Um, he and I talked about the fact that, you know, he's been doing hand crank pasta all this time. It's time to buy an electric pasta machine for him. So these are also the things, you know, what can we do to improve our kitchen without, you know, spending too much money, um, taking care of those things that what we always repair and we always take care of things. I mean, you and I, that's our philosophy. But, you know, sometimes there are big decisions that you have to make in the restaurant business like, okay, it's time to buy a new convection oven. Um, So, you know, these are all things. It's, It's a huge thing, you know, and I also this time of the year always sit down with all of my cooks in individual meetings and ask them what their goals are for themselves. And I tell them what my goals are for them. So we just map out the whole year, basically. And it's 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 really a, I love a new year. I really do. It's just, and, and the fact that I have moved on top of that really makes a, a very fresh start for me. So where are you heading next, Tony? What else are you thinking of? Well, I, my resolutions are a little more selfish. You know, <laughs> eat more cake, do, develop more and more plant-based That's not selfish. Dishes. That's yeah. not selfish. Okay, well, eating go cake ahead. is definitely selfish. <laughs> well, th- I didn't say that one wasn't. <laughs> what else? I can't wait to hear about the wine ones, but we have to finish up on food first. So what else food-oriented things are you thinking? Continue to research pasta shapes. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. That's, that's continue to, to find and sort of rediscover. I mean, that's... As you go from region to region, mm-hmm. you know, I, through Italy, you, you you find more and more historically slightly different. That's fine. You know, different functioning pasta shapes or slightly different production methods, and 
and and that's endlessly interesting and it's such small you know it it's only a few ingredients right right mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's there's literally there there're not that many variables but there's such subtle you know like human driven variables so it, it becomes a bit of a cultural study but like this last year we'd found casareche and we're really good at making casareche is a little bit like a gamelli, but a little bit longer with a twist to it. Ooh, fun! Um, you know that that sounds silly, but that to me is one of the the big things from this year. Or a different. There, there are three different ways to make annellini. Okay. And so that we we started making annellini with pheasants, mm. uh, with a little bit of the livers as well. So it has a little bit of an edge to it. And um, annellini, you know, are they're the ones that are, that look like little spaceships. Uh, they're ones that look that that are a little bit bigger, that are kind of have the pasta is a little bit thicker. But the little spaceship version, hmm. uh, that's that's from near Parma. Okay. I, I love those the best. Okay. Um, but it's not traditional to put pheasants in those guys. But and we got really nice pheasants. So sounds <laughs> delicious. Yeah, that's just. In a great, br- so, in a great brodo. So, know, so if it herbs. if it has ground or a, a pheasant force meat and has a little bit of liver mm-hmm. in it, what else do you put in there? In the force meat? Yeah. Uh, a little bit of the fat from prosciutto. Oh, yum. Um, huh. Reggiano. Okay. Uh, a little bit of ricotta. Ricotta. Okay, good. Um, some white pepper. Really? Strangely, yeah. Yuck. It. It finishes much nicer than black pepper. I understand. It it it, end, it ends yeah. up balancing all better right. than black pepper. In it. All right, all right. Um, a, a little bit of grappa. Oh, fun! Just well, you you, you kind of you, you marinate the the, okay. the liver okay in the grappa a little bit, and then and then it all goes together. But it's funny the first time making with Pedro, we're pulling hmm. the bird. He's laughing the entire time. Because you put grappa in there? No, he's laughing because I'm just pulling the bird apart with my oh, hands. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, you know, just yeah. sprinkle it a little bit. And, but yeah, that's, um, you know, it, not an unusual force meat, you know, but the pheasant is, is a subtle flavor, so you don't want to run it over. No, of course not, yeah. That's why the liver has to be small amount. It has to be subtle, yeah. So and it, and it's it's all meant to be like gentle and you know it's one of those inside out dishes. I mean, because it's like it's 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 a traditional pasta dish. It's yellow and brown, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind that's kind of what you get. It's an, it's an egg dough. And then what do you toss that? I mean, you know, what are you putting with it? Butter, just butter and bro, brodo. Bro, oh, and on um, brodo. So okay, you, okay. you 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 know, just like any pasta, you, pasta cooks in the salted water, pretty mm-hmm. heavily salted water, mm-hmm. just to get warm. And to be seasoned, and then when it goes in the brodo, and the brodo's got to be seasoned already. Yeah. And then it, it goes into there for another probably like minute and a half to really absorb. The whole point is for it to absorb that flavor of the brodo. You know, it's it's, it's so it's when I say inside out, literally there's flavor inside mm-hmm. and and outside with that, and even just like a little tiny bit of herb, you know, the little tarragon, little chives. You know, little shrivel, and nice. that's just a happy, Sounds happy, beautiful. yeah, good, beautiful thing. So pasta shapes, pasta, yeah, but exploring pasta shapes that's and the history of it—that is really fascinating. And it's just such a gift to get to watch. 
I mean, I hate to say the ladies, but it seems like it's usually women that are making the pasta. I'm sure everybody makes pasta but um, in Italy, but it is such a gift to get to watch them because they've, especially the older folks who've been doing it, you know, like every day for, yeah, they you know. don't think about it. No, yeah. and the, it's, the, it's the way they use their hands and the ability that their hands have. It's it's such, it's, it's just like, you know, like, okay, fascinating to I see. I brush my teeth every day. I make right. pasta every day. I right, mean, it's, and you it's, know, yeah, it's perfection. It's like when you see them take that big rod and they roll out those huge sheets of pasta and then they just move it around effortlessly and you're just like, oh my God, that's not tearing. Nothing well, bad you, is you, happening you, right now. Remember we, we ate so, at a restaurant in Calabria. Oh, yes. I'll never years forget ago. that. Yes. And they were showing you how they make their their pasta shape from not collaborate by the seacoast, but in the mountains. Their signature pasta shape, macaronata, you know, which is that, it's funny, it looks a little bit like a tagliatelle, and then they twist it around a rod, like it's oh. a little bit wider tagliatelle. What a, yeah, not you know, easy. Maybe a little bit like perciatelle, but like the fat <laughs> ones. And then, and then sort of wrap it around a rod. Yeah. And then you're doing this little odd shimmy with the rod. Yes. You know, it, it, yeah. And and then hang them to dry. But you know, we started making the instead of just gnocchi, the gnocchetti um, from Pimonte, which are a little bit smaller and have a little bit less potato and a little more egg. Okay. And. They're so good. They are like spectacular <laughs> little dumplings. Yeah, they're so good. And and the really classical prep is to make a a, a fonduta, so mm. a cheese sauce. Yeah. With with caprino, goat's cheese. Nice. And yummy. Oh man, Whew. that with a little bit of shaved truffle. Oh well, yeah. There you go. Now you're talking my language. Oh. <laughs> or or when they were in, when they were in season, it was black trumpet mushrooms. Nice. Like Beautiful. just a lot of crispy and woodsy on top of there. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Also, you can make something that's almost like hazelnut brittle, uh-huh. uh, and and crack it over the the gnocchetti with the fondant. That's fun. And that's unusual and crazy good, and like weirdly spectacular with sparkling wine. Good. That's cool. Yeah, I mean that's one of the new things on my menu is I have the only, when you said fondant, it made me think of it. I have never done a cream sauce with foie gras because. Frankly, it seems unnecessary <laughs> when you have something that's yeah, full of fat. Yeah, you talk about gilding the lily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, gilding the lily. But we were on that trip to Italy when we had the uh, pensier foie gras with the fonduta and the um, creamy polenta, which is like, which is like really gilding the lily. And on top of that, I mean, it was one of the best foie gras preps I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that was that was lunch at, at Giorgio Coluta, and he had a local chef come and do like in the winery this. Oh, so special. This wild lunch. Yeah, it was Giorgio so... Giorgio is an amazing guy. Yeah, that was that was in a beautiful place, and obviously, and yeah, it was so His special. wines just get better and better and better. Oh, good. If people, by the way, um, <laughs> professional tip, uh, if you want Pinot Grigio, and the world is full of really innocuous Pinot Grigio, not a bunch of money at all, plump, fresh, Coluta, uh, C-O-L-U-T-T-A, Look for Giorgio Coluta's Pinot Grigio. Delicious, inexpensive. I mean, foolishly so. Nice. Yeah, so I put on foie gras. I, I was just like, I want to serve apples and calvados. I just feel like I kind of missed apples, you know, a little bit in the fall. And um, so we're doing uh, calvados, uh, 
uh, shallot and Granny Smith apple cream sauce that we, you know, sweat the shallots, add the apples. I left the skin on for the vitamins. Just, you know, why not leave it on? You're going to puree it. And uh, about 80% cream, 20% highly reduced chicken and veal stock. Flamed it with the calvados. And uh, really, it's quick sauce. You don't want to cook it because you don't want to cook the apples to death. So you know, really like 50 probably 10, 12 minutes of simmer. And then we pureed it in the, the Vita prep and passed it through uh, Tammy a couple of times. And um, and then to have the aspect of the fresh apple, we do a, we have, I have all these little sizes of tiny Parisian scoop, or if you want to call it a melon baller. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we did on pickup, we then do a whole bunch of little fresh uh, Parisian scoops then of the, uh, of the Granny Smith. So you have the fresh crunchy plus this gorgeous, sexy cream sauce. And then we flame uh, flambe the uh, foie gras just with the calvados right before we plate and mm, we tasted that yesterday before we served one and oh boy and that whole you know hot seared exterior to a cool interior and that whole texture change it's uh, yeah you want a big old fat piece of foie gras with that sauce it was really really fun I'm excited about that sounds like a monster dish you know, it didn't, you know, it's not, the sauce isn't thick. It's thin, you know, it's not thin, but it's, you know what I mean? It's not like some thick, you know, glazing sauce. It's, yeah. it's, it's a fresh sauce with apple and I pureed into it. So it's, it's actually quite beautiful. It's lovely with the Calvados. Well, the skins have to give you more acid and a little more tannin. Exactly. So the balance of it would yeah, be Yeah, it's, it's be very better. balanced and it, and it really, it was, it was really beautiful. And one of the other dishes I put on is, you know, Eggs Murette is one of my favorite uh, French um, courses, quite frankly, um, which is where you poach the eggs in red wine. And I had made it years and years. I don't remember what, if you remember what dinner that was, but I'd made it years ago for one of our wine dinners. And as I was sitting there at the farm, just thinking about what do I want to do with rockfish, because I've done the mushroom fricassee, I mean, for so, so many years, I'm like, I want to go in a totally different direction. And rockfish is so beautiful right now. And also I'd like to not I know we all love crispy rockfish skin, but I don't want to sear it. I want it to cook gently. It's something we don't do very often. So I'm shallow poaching it in white wine, shallots, um, butter, a tiny bit of salt. We use unsalted butter, so we have to put a little salt in there. And uh, shallow poach means it's not immersed in liquid, but it is cooked at a low temperature. So the fish comes out flaky and super tender. It's really pretty and, and just lovely. And we poach the eggs in chicken stock and red wine with a little bit of salt and um and you know we have these gorgeous fresh eggs and then did uh, lardon and and cipollini onions and then i decided for the sauce to do a lighter reduction sauce but to do a lighter reduction sauce uh so it's not you know some rich and you know syrupy reduction but chicken and veal stock and add a whole bunch of veal marrow bone marrow to it and we did 10 pounds of veal marrow bone split and took all that marrow out and added it to the, the chicken and veal and, that, and, and, and did put some red wine in it as well, obviously, to balance it. And that sauce is, mm, with the fish, it, uh, it, that, and, the, and to have, you know, crack into that poached egg and have that yolk just slide down the rockfish and, oh, oh my gosh, it's so good. So that was really, I'm excited about that dish. So... We need to get to resolutions where it's what you want to eat, not just what I'm, you're excited about cooking, but it's what you want to eat, you know, because <laughs> frankly, I would like to talk more about what I want to eat. All right. We only have so much time. And 
I do have some wine resolutions to get to. I think that that uh, people should have. They should have a strategy. They should have a thought process. All know? right. Well, let's 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 get to it in the next segment. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, it's more New Year's food and wine resolutions on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're working through New Year's resolutions for food and wine. Mm-hmm. And you talked about things you want to cook. Or I am cooking. And you are cooking. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But I want to know what you want to eat. What do you resolve to eat more of, to eat less of? You know, like what... For, for you. For me personally, I... Because of where I'm living now, I would like to concentrate on learning about all of my local farmers, the people that are in my immediate area. I keep passing signs for fresh eggs, which makes me smile every time I pass them. And I'm just excited to find out what is happening in my farming area and um, really getting to meet folks around me. People are have been extremely uh, kind and um, just super welcoming already, which I mean, I've I, can't, I just can't believe I am where I am. I'm, I'm very thankful. So, you know, I, I want to explore that. I'm super excited about it. I know there's a lot of uh, livestock in my my area, and I just want to see what the possibilities are. You know, we, we always like the idea of working with small animals like goat and lamb, and it, it can be, quite frankly, expensive to buy for a restaurant, to buy a whole animal. Well, you, you have to be able to utilize every part of the animal in order for it to make economic sense for a restaurant. And even then it can still be quite expensive, which is surprising, but that's how things have changed over time. It didn't used to be that way. Um, And so I would like to explore. I mean, Everardo and I talked about, you know, I would really like to do a wine dinner or a special dinner with goat. Um, We're hoping to do it in January, and I think we will get that done. And then, you know, obviously spring lamb in the spring. But I, I would just like to explore some of the things around me and and what my opportunities are with my local farmers in my area and you know my farm in particular used to the livestock there were cattle and it is set up for cattle so i i do believe that within a couple of years that is also something i would like to pursue so these are all things on the horizon and what is more immediate for me as a as a person is i would like to live the healthiest life i can live um you know having within the last year and a half or however long it's been realizing that I'm diabetic and getting that under control. Um, and, you know, I'd like to lose more weight and I would like to be physically stronger. Um, I have had some health problems in the past that have kept me from, you know, perhaps working out the way that I would like to. So, you know, the food aspect of it really dropping, completely dropping sugar from my diet, which will be hard because I happen to love coffee. And um, just one cup a day is what I drink, but I like a little sugar in there. <laughs> so that may be my... <laughs> it's, not, it's not the coffee, it's the sugar. Well, right? that might be the only place that I have it. I, I would really like to eradicate that completely from my diet. And, you know, we have a, a GM that works with us who is very into the environment and very into, uh, you know, sort of 
all life things being extremely healthy. And I've learned some things from him. And, and um, you know, just the idea of, you know, I didn't grow up. My mother never had honey in the house. So, you know, just using something like molasses or honey or, or something as an alternative or, or whatever the other things are. And also, um, you know, I have a gift that I was given by uh, someone when I bought my farm is, is wheatgrass. And I'm almost scared. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with it. It's in the freezer. It came in frozen. It's little squares. You know, I need to understand how I'm supposed to eat this. But, you know, cool. Thanks for giving that to me. Um, you know, the person said it really gives you great energy. That's so, good protein, yeah. Yeah, these are things that I'd like to – I don't know anything about that. So, you know, those are the things that I'd like to, you know, become more informed of and, and really try to, you know, clean out my body a little bit and make sure I'm moving forward in the most healthy way I can from my body because, you know, there have been some issues in the past, so – Try to do what I can to keep those from reoccurring, if you know what I mean. No, I mean that's a, as time goes by, you you value more and more when you feel well. Exactly. You know, and that's, I'd like that, to feel well. <laughs> but I mean that's it's it's interesting because I think for for us as kids, we're we're in a world with generations of people that that was not a consideration so much, and and now like quality of life and quality of living as as years go by as people have become more aware and i think as as you know data and 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 media proliferate on the topic it makes us think about it and i think that's not a bad thing at all well you know this is not about food and wine but one of the things is i have no internet in my house and i have no tv in my house and i have to tell you that that whole thing has been unbelievably, and my phone doesn't work very well. So it's quite refreshing, quite frankly. I, I'm enjoying it. I know you're not, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I, you know, because I can't email people, but I, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about get not work. getting your emails. <laughs> I can do it when I get <laughs> to work. So that's also part of my new philosophy is I'm not getting TV. You know, I'm, I'm not looking for a better phone service. I am looking to get internet because I'm going to have to have it for work. But, you know, but getting back to the whole food thing, you know, for you, Tony, I'm kind of curious. Are you, are you, you know, is your new cooking method going to be perhaps sous vide? No. <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Okay. I, I, no, people always far, ask me about sous vide far, cooking. It, it, it all like, makes me uh, crazy. <laughs> Boiling bag has been around for, like, there are people who do excellent sous vide dishes. Right, right. It is not my preference to explore that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you cultivate any more flavor doing that. Um, I'd, I'd rather do, you know, it's like when we started baking bread. What kind of bread do you, I want the bread from 150 years ago. Right. You well, know. we are the same way with I mean, all that's, of those philosophies. Yeah, let's like give we me, like old world cooking. Give me fire and iron, and <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> you know that that's that that that's more like it. I mean, no, I mean for me, the the, the other biggest thing is I I, I want to continue to cook more and more with my children mm. uh, as they've gotten older. I, it's more safe, I guess. It's it's safer. Their 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 attention spans are stronger. And the reality of cooking is, I mean, for to some extent, it's therapeutic. And like, I'm going to peel all these apples. <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to chop all of this. It, it Someone takes time. should be helping you. It takes repetition. That's how and they it learn. Takes time. Yeah. But no, the 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 point, like mentally, it's it's not crazy stimulating. Part of the point is, it isn't. You know, that that it's some of the. It it's almost like part of. You know, it's a little bit like a practice that that it and you end up having a 
a physical practice that drives a mental exercise that's calming, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, cooking is very much that way. That's honestly why at home I always cook so slowly. Is that why you cook so slowly? Yes. <laughs> I've always wondered. <laughs> yeah, because I want to enjoy it. I'm I thought gl- you were just slow. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm slow. But uh-huh. un- no. un- unless you, you are, you unless are. required to be otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, no, but especially at home, it's like I, I want to enjoy it. I want to sure. discover. I want to explore. Sure. It's fun. You know, I don't want to be totally committed to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably fail at something. I will find something. Yeah. Well, that's the fun of cooking at home. You're not under pressure. Well, unless you're doing a party or something. But if you're just making dinner or Sunday breakfast or something, it's fun. And, you know, I'm not used to cooking for – I don't cook for fun. (laughs) I cook under pressure all the time. So when I cook at home, I'm like, oh, this is so different. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for for, for me, if I'm I'm cooking at work, it's developmental. You know, I, I, honestly, I get the I get the good stuff. My, I either yeah, get to do developmental stuff. Yeah, you're not cooking on Saturday. The only time I end up dealing with it with pressure is you know, putting a big party out or something, and mm-hmm. it's like surprise, you got a four pasta for eighty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that uh, working with the girls. I mean, that's something that. And it's developing some of their skill, but developing their curiosity, developing their thought, their thoughtfulness around food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to develop some of the vegetable dishes that I'm talking about with them. I want to know what they want to put in the ravioli the next time. You know, that 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 kind of thing. If we're going to make a, like a vegetable perlo, one of my favorite all-time dishes from the low country that you always did were different kinds of perlos. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a million variations that you can do that are vegetable driven. Sure. That have good protein because of the beans that you use. Mm. So, what you know, what 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 is it going to be? What are the details of that? And a perlo is a one pot dish. So you whatever that main ingredient is, um, you think of, you know, and and typically it was seafood or meat, but. You know, certainly, you, obviously, you can do vegetables, but it's the idea that the rice. I mean, Hoppin' John being the famous one, right. That's veggie-driven. Excuse me. So, the, yeah, the 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 idea is that the rice absorbs the flavor of the main ingredient. You know, whether it's you know a develop a developed broth uh, that has a lot of flavor from seafood or from meat or from some kind of vegetable. Yeah, it's fun. Perlo is a great dish. It's a great family and a great home dish, and can be quite inexpensive to produce for a lot of people. So, perlos were very popular. Back in the day, I mean, but fueling that kind of thing with just like you know a porcini broth as a base, right, right, yeah, you know, Delicious. can can be super interesting. There's a lot of a lot of high notes that you can bounce off of that with different vegetable garnishes. Well, we probably ought to start talking about some wine. Uh, you know, New Year's resolutions. What are what what have you got going on? I've there? got I've got a weird one for you, but I really stick by it. Okay, okay, can't wait. So we we know that. The, the planet is changing because of human effects, right? Right, right. Yes. Okay. The planet is warming. Some of the very best sparkling wine that I've had outside of Champagne, some at the quality level of Champagne, no question, have been from England, <laughs> from southwest of England. Wow. And we have a few on wine lists in places and, and, and sometimes in the store, and they're not easy to get at the moment. Uh, I think it's going to become more prominent, 
And I would encourage people. Like, there's a producer, Brian Valley, um, whose product is excellent. The rosé especially is excellent. But with with climate change means wine growing regions are are experiencing sure. some change. Right. You know, it, if people are ripening Pinot Noir in Alsace consistently, huh. that's I mean very and that from when I was there and learned, that's very different. Right. Right. What's what's the grape rattle in the champagne? Uh, the excuse me, uh, sparkling wine. Sa- in, in sa- same as in Champagne, Chardonnay, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. Okay. Um. There are a few people that are growing some other things in addition, mostly different kinds of Pinot Blanc. Okay. Um, but so this is brand new, like they never used to. This is the in the last twenty five years. Okay, All right. Uh, it is is begun to develop and has got has gotten stronger and stronger. And it's not that it's necessarily that much less. It's not a greater value necessarily than Champagne at the moment. I just think it is the future, and in the same way that. When champagne is at its best, there is a great acidity, tension, minerality that drives, you know, the the joy of the fruit that's there. Because it's that much further north, the growing season is that much more extreme. Uh, that that happens in spades. When the, when the wine is made well, that happens in spades, and okay. it's really it's okay. impressive. All right, I'd like to. And taste so I'm I'm resolved to. I. I no, at menu meeting at, at the restaurant, I I have opened before for the staff, and they were all completely freaked out. That's great. That's <laughs> exciting. That's cool. But I, I just think that that's 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 kind of a big deal. How does that compare, you know, geographically with Champagne region of France, where this is being grown in England? Signif- I mean, significantly further north. For, wow, interesting. Yeah. Huh. I mean, Champagne is, a, is is just north of. It's like Quebec parallel. Okay. You know, so this is, it's a little further north. And they get so much rain there, you would think that would be... They do. Affecting. I I mean, you've been to Champagne, the weather's terrible. That's (laughs) kind of true. Except for midsummer when all the sun happens, you know, otherwise it's, you know, it's it's pretty dreary. I'd rather hear what you, what else you have about wine that you're... Yeah, I mean, the other thing I would say is that, and, and this has been an exploration over the last couple of years... But all of what are considered minor or regional varietals in Italy, as winemaking has gotten better and better and better in Italy over the years, a lot of the sort of forgotten things, minor, it's, you know, in air quotes on the radio, silly me, uh, those kinds of things, like really good examples have sort of just popped out and some really unusual things. And in northern Piemonte, like some of the growing regions are coming back that were a big deal 200 years ago. Huh. Wow. And, yeah, it's it's very cool. It's very cool to see the development. And it's all because the, the winemaking improvement from 1980 to, you know, the last 40 years has been crazy. Yeah. That, 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 that growth curve is, you know, what, what was 100 years in France, the growth curve is you know, accelerated over these 40 years. And their, their diversity is incredible. So for someone with a short attention span like me, there's always new stuff. <laughs> so I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get you some of the, the British bubbles. Yeah, I'd love to taste some that. Of the Broad th- Valley is super. Both are very good, but the rosé, I think, is, that's that's the winner. That's about as good as I've had 
All right, yeah, I'd love to taste it. Well, those are good. Those are good resolutions, and hopefully, it'll be a great year for food and wine it for will. everybody. It will. Interested to see what the farming season is going to be like. Mm-hmm. That's always kind of pray for good weather. You know, it begins with asparagus, right? So right, so exciting. So I have to work on my intel. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. You can listen to this episode or any other one of our podcasts on the WIPR website. Go there, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there's a full menu of goodies there for you of past programs. To correspond with us via email, it's foremanwolf at WIPR.org. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Instagram uh, or Facebook as Chef Wolf. And I'm on Instagram as the real Tony Foreman. And thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs>